Would you open God's precious holy word to John chapter 16? We've come to that chapter now and we continue in the Lord's final discourse to his 11 remaining disciples. So we have come now to this part. In the previous chapter, somewhere in verse 18 or so, um, after all that Christ had said to his disciples about love, his subject turned to hatred, the hatred of the world against Christ and his followers. To remind you, when we get into John 17, you will see that everything that Christ has said to his disciples, he applies to all of the believers who will follow. So that includes you and me. We are getting the same kind of teaching, the same teaching, the same warning that Christ gives to these 11. He's, he's on his way now to Gethsemane. They're, the discourse started in the upper room. They've left there. They're, they're headed to the place where Christ is going to be arrested. And then, of course, the horrible things that happen until finally in just a few hours from this point, Christ finally is crucified. All of these wonderful things packed into these final hours, minutes that Christ has with the 11 who will then be charged with the task of taking the gospel of Jesus Christ into all the world seems impossible, especially now that Christ says these things. So he continues in the same vein of talking about the hatred and persecution of the world against the Christ of God and those who follow him. So let's look at it here, beginning in uh, verse one. I've spoken these things to you that you might not fall away. Scandalistete, scandalistete. There it is up there. The word means to be offended, to be entrapped, to be surprised with something. Christ says, I don't want you to be scandalized. I don't want you to be entrapped in a time so that you might not expect what the world is going to do to you. I don't want you to be that way. I'm going to tell you these things. Can you imagine how it would have been if Christ had not forewarned them? Of course, it's all the work of God and the almighty power of the commissioned and sent servants, not only empowered with the Holy Spirit, but carrying the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, 
the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ into all of the world. And of course, it mostly meets opposition. That's what Christ has been warning and continues to warn these 11. Suppose he hadn't told them. And he, for the first time here, he gets specific about their persecution. What if he hadn't warned them? How far <laughs> would the gospel have gone? Well, they have the Holy Spirit. Let's look at this. Christ gets specific and he tells them two things here. Number one, they will put you out of the synagogues. Now that was a serious, a serious thing to happen to a Jew. This meant that his family would disown him. Of course, he would be unsynagogued. His family would disown him. He would lose his job. He would become a religious outlaw. And because he had been a Jew and then according to their rules would have disclaimed being a Jew, he would have been to them worse than a pagan Gentile. He would no longer be a part of their nation. He would be cast out of the nation. This would be for these 11, one of the most horrible things, and it ranks close to the top of things that could happen to them. On his way to Gethsemane, still talking to the 11, I'm going to tell you, and I want you to remember these things because you will experience them. When you carry this message to the world, the Jews will cast you out of the synagogue. You won't be a Jew anymore in the eyes of the Jews. You won't find any work. Most of your family, if not all of them, will disown you and withdraw from you. And you will be as bad of a person to the nation in which you were born, into which you were born as even the worst pagan Gentile. Christ gets specific about what happens in persecution. Number one, disfellowship. Those with whom you had fellowshiped, those with whom, you, with whom you had been close, when you proclaimed to the world the gospel of Jesus Christ and the name of Jesus Christ, who is now your king and your master and your Lord, most of the world will hate you and will disfellowship themselves from you. But not just that. Number two, they'll kill you. They'll not only persecute you, they'll execute you. But an hour is coming that everyone, you see the tense that it's given in the, having killed you. It's not, if they, it's a, it's a done deal here. Christ says to his 11, They'll kill you. And after you're dead, they will think they have done a service. Now the word, Latrean up there, that's, that's a word that means religious service. They will think it is a religious service that they offer to God by killing you. Religion 
is not the friend of Christianity. Sooner or later in the due course, not only will religion withdraw from Christ, the Christ of God and his followers, sooner or later they will have to kill you. We cannot compromise the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ has told us that he is the only way to the Father. The way, the truth, the life, and that no one comes to the Father but through him. There is no other way to approach the true and living God. Anybody in the world then in a religion who claims to be monotheistic and religious and to worship the God cannot worship the God unless he worships God through his Christ. The Bible in both Testaments is replete with that truth. Psalm 2, for example, why do the nations rage against God and his Christ, his, his anointed, his Christ? They do, it's an automatic statement in Psalm 2. It's not, what if they do? They will. They hate Christ. How do you know that? Well, okay. Let your children wear Jesus shirts to school. See what happens sooner or later. Try to testify of Christ at work and see what happens sooner or later. It is a world that hates Jesus, the name of Jesus. The people of Jesus, the believers in Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the hatred is so strong, it comes in the form of religion. Thus, it seems in their minds to entitle them execution, to put us to death. And they'll think that it's a religious service that they offer to God. Now he's speaking in the immediate sense of the Jews. But today we have the privilege of looking back on the history of the church and consider the persecution that the church has undergone in the history of the church. We should just expect it. Of course, Saul of Tarsus who became the Apostle Paul before his experience on the road to Damascus was the world's greatest persecutor of Christians. And he talks about it in his letters and you can tell that it's a great pain in his heart when he thinks back of the days of what he did to Christians. In the early part, it was the Jews and then it was, of course, the zealous Jew, Saul of Tarsus, it was the Romans. Uh, it, it, has been, it has been governments throughout the history of the world for those who would dare to stand and say that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that you must believe in him to live forever, and that he is worthy of our worship, and that there is no other king but Jesus, and that God in Christ is the creator we studied that way back in John 1 and all things through him came into existence. 
And apart from him, nothing was made that has been made. He is the Christ of God, the creator. He is the only savior. And he came to identify himself in that when he came into this world. Now, the world hates us. The beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ. Our message and prayer that they would accept the message. That Christ would come into their hearts. And to be hated for it by most of the world. Why do they do it? They do these things because they do not know the Father nor me. There is one God. There is one true and living God. He has identified himself in his word. He has identified his power and himself in his creation. And he has personally identified himself in the person of Jesus Christ. There is no mistaking the true and living God. There is no mistaking at all. The world hates the true and living God because you cannot know him apart from his Christ. Now, there are many things to be said about that. We studied in John 1. John 1 parallels in the New Testament sense what Genesis 1 says. And in John 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Uh, the same was in the beginning with God. All things through him came into existence. Apart from him, nothing was made that has been made. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh. And dwelt among us. Christ himself in earlier chapters that we've studied here in John declared that he is the father and the father is in him. He is in the father. And if you've seen me, you've seen the father. That's what Jesus, we said that not long ago. He declared his deity on his way to the cross. God came to us in the person of Jesus Christ because God is so great, we cannot know God apart from Christ. How, how could we dare to think <laughs> that we could enter into the infinity that is God, into the absolute greatness and wonder that is God? We can't. There's no way that we could know him except in the way that he designates. Earlier in John, we studied it. No man has seen God parentheses of the father at any time you can't we can't comprehend it we live in three dimensions of space and one dimension of time and the almighty belongs to as many dimensions as he chooses he's beyond that so it's impossible for us to comprehend except in the way that god chooses but the son no one has seen the god god in him but the son he has Declared him. He has translated him. He has exposed, he's explained him. So you can't know God apart from Christ. The world hates that. The world wants to think that uh, man can build his bridge to heaven. Man can determine his own righteousness. And the righteousness of man constantly changes. Things are so-called righteous today in the world that were an abomination 20, 30 years ago, even 10 years ago. And things back then 
that were declared and thought of as righteous were an abomination a generation before that. And this goes on and on and on. That's why God gave to us his law, that we might understand the perfection of humanity that can never be found on our own. That's why we need a Savior to fulfill that perfection for us. God the Son. And the world hates it. And so when they come after us, they come after us because they hate the true and living God. They hate Him. They hate the Father and His Christ, His Son. They do not know the Father nor me. But I've said these things to you so that when their hour has come, you may remember them that I said them to you. I didn't say these things from the beginning because I was with you. Here's what Jesus is saying. We've walked and talked and ministered together and enjoyed one another's company for three years. And while I was with you, they didn't come after you because they came after me. They didn't care about you as long as I was here. They wanted me. And I was with you. And I wouldn't have said these things to you then because I would take the brunt of their attacks, their threats, their intimidations, their conspiracies, and their attempted murders and finally their murder. I was with you then, so it wasn't necessary really. But now I'm going to the one having sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. They can't know just yet. They don't know. They don't understand. We've talked about this, but to come back around to it, they can't understand the glory of the cross at this point. His crucifixion, death, burial, resurrection, exaltation, ascension, promise of second coming and finally the second coming. They can't understand all this. Otherwise, they would have rejoiced in what's going to happen once Christ does what he came to do on the cross and then goes back to the Father. They can't understand this at this point in time. And so sorrow fills their heart because Christ has said, I'm going back to the one who has sent me. You remember earlier we studied, he said, and you can't follow me. You can't go where I'm going. But I say the truth to you. It's profitable for you that I should go away. Profitable. That's a, that's a good word. Uh, uh, it is profitable. You'll gain. You will gain from my going away. That's hard for them to understand. He used a synonym in describing it, another word in the Greek text, but Paul writes to the Philippians and he says, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. We enjoy life. We enjoy our families. We enjoy taking trips. We enjoy good restaurants. We enjoy Saturdays right now, Roll Tide. 
Okay. <laughs> Congratulations on your victory last night, by the way. But what is in store for me cannot compare. And it's hard for me right now. I'm still living. I look like warmed over death, but I'm still living. Someday I won't be alive in a physical sense, but it will unlock something that is so more infinitely glorious than what I have ever understood because the eye hasn't seen and the ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered into the heart of the man the things that God has in store for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Our imaginations could not fathom. So it's, it's, it's a game that I just can't understand right now because I'm not there yet. But I have this promise. Now flip that over here to where we are. Christ says to these 11, your ministry will create a gain that you can't understand right now. But in order for you to have that profit, that gain, I'll have to go to the father. I'll have to go away. All right. Now, wow, Jesus, you've said the world's going to hate us. They're going to persecute us. We're going to get cast out of the synagogue. We're going to get thrown out of the nation in which we live and love. Our families will leave us. We'll lose our jobs. And finally, people will be after us even to our death. And they're going to kill us. Wow. How's this going to happen? Here it is. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come at all to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. Okay, that's of course, we've talked about this earlier, the, the, pedicle, the, the, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will not and cannot come. And thus, fill the church until Christ goes to the cross and dies for us. And Christ then ascends and sends him back. The Holy Spirit is a benefit. He is a reward to us because Christ came and accomplished what he came to do. A reward for the completed work of God the Son. So as, as long as I'm with you, he can't come. Not at all. But I'm going to die. I'll be raised again. I'm going to ascend to the Father. I'm going to be seated at the right hand of the majesty. I'm going to serve you as your high priest. I will die to save you on the cross. I will ascend and be exalted and be seated on the throne of grace. And I will be your high priest and I will live evermore to keep you saved. So if I go, I'll send you the helper. How then, so armed with the truth, which includes the truth of persecution, even to death, how then can the church continue its march through history? 
and the message being spread throughout the world. He will come to these disciples and one of the things that he will do is he will be the breath of God to give through them to us the New Testament, the completed canon of Scripture, the glorious and wonderful promises of the crucified, resurrected, ascended, exalted, soon coming Savior, the creator and the consummator, the one who loves us and will judge his enemies. This one sends the Holy Spirit, the presence of God today is in the lives of believers. We are the temple of God. Don't you know, Paul asked, that you are the, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? It's a good thing to remind yourself always that whatever you're looking at, God is looking at. Whatever you're doing, God is there with you. The presence of the Holy Spirit that will never be taken away as long as we live. It's profitable. I'll send the helper. And you 11 guys will be so strengthened that the Holy Spirit through you will testify and he will testify into the hearts of those whom God will call to himself and they'll believe. We don't do that by our power. That's why it's so silly for Christian servants to exalt themselves in any way. It's, it's never, it's always the work of God. It's by the purpose and will of God. And all of these things that are done in the church are done because of Christ. Christ who does it through us. We have various gifts. We are resourced in different ways spiritually. By God the Holy Spirit and we work together by the purpose and will of God and by the grace of God, the miraculous grace of God, some are saved by the design of God, by the will of God. I will send the helper to you and you will find gain, profit, in what you do. Once the Holy Spirit comes, you will experience power. And you will experience an unction that you cannot have while I'm here. I've come to die on the cross, to ransom my own, to redeem those who are mine. I've come to do that. And once I have completed that, then the gift of the Holy Spirit is the reward of the Father to those who believe. And thus we are empowered to do what God has willed and purposed and to reach out into the world that at least some will be saved. And having come, 
Primarily, he will do three things. He will convict in three ways. Convict. You see that word? Elegke. Convict. Elegke. I have it highlighted and underlined there. It's a legal word. He brings evidence that demands a verdict according to the evidence against the backdrop of the law. So the Holy Spirit convicts the world, number one, concerning sin. Apart from the Holy Spirit, man will never convince himself that he's a sinner, that he's a bad guy, that he's wrong. Dead in sin means that you just left to your own devices a, a broken, fallen nature that only spirals downward and never has lofty thoughts of upwardness. So he will convict the world, number one, concerning sin, number two, concerning righteousness, and number three, concerning judgment. Now, here's how those are explained. And this is our work. The Holy Spirit's work through us. Indeed, convict the world, number one, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Here is the sin. That is the common sin of everyone who is in hell and finally in the lake of fire. Unbelief. They do not believe in Christ. They would not take the place of a sinner. They would not thus repent and confess. And they died in their sins. And so then, without Christ, we are what we are apart from Christ. There's no good thing in us, no righteousness, only evil thoughts and bad deeds. That's it. And when the great books are opened, all of the books will never show that there's anything worthy for us to be saved. Not a thing. So the great sin, the unpardonable sin, Matthew 12, the unpardonable sin, the great sin is to have no faith in Christ. And when I say faith in Christ, I mean believing, saving faith. That only comes through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Now notice this. He will convict the world. Now let me tell you what that means. Some people read this and say, oh, that's... That's going to happen when a sinner gets broke down, starts crying at the invitation. No, 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 no. What that means is that everybody born into the human race is already under this condemnation. You understand? We're already there. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Something wonderful and transforming happens. Regeneration, to be born again. To come to Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit to be given the gift of faith. Faith's a gift, according to the Bible. You don't just conjure it up and work it up in your life. It comes to you from God. Confession and repentance, these are gifts from God. You can't do that on your own. You have to have divine help. So then, 
The great sin is to convict the world, number one, of the sin of faithlessness, unbelief regarding Christ. That's what sends people to hell. When God calls you to come to Christ and the Holy Spirit comes into your life, let me tell you, regeneration comes. You're a baby. You're an infant in Christ. And you have a ways to travel in, uh, in the path of sanctification as long as you live. And you'll trip up along the way. You'll do things that you really didn't realize were wrong, but you grow in Christ. You see? And this is a benefit of salvation. That we now are aware of sin. Unsaved people don't have an awareness of sin. They don't care. They may have some strange sense of morality or something, but to be convicted of sin. This is what the Holy Spirit does, and this is what we do in declaring the gospel. When we reveal Christ to people, Remember, Jesus said it in what we studied last time. They're without excuse. They're without excuse now. No excuse. So, the great sin is the sin of unbelief. No faith in Christ. Secondly, to convict the world concerning righteousness because I go away to the Father and you will see me no more. Righteousness. The only righteous human being who ever lived without sin is the one who came to save us from sin. Only the sinless Christ could take upon himself the sins of his own. Substitutionary death, vicarious offering, atonement. That's what he came to do, the Lamb of God. Jesus came to do that. He is the only righteous one who ever lived. Righteousness is his to give to those who believe in him. So what does he say? Secondly, after sin, now righteousness. You have no righteousness. There is no good thing in you, nor in me. No human being can claim to be righteous. Righteousness must come from Christ. We must be clothed in his righteousness. The enswathement, the, the robing of the righteousness of Christ to cover us in the righteousness of Christ. The great atonement on the cross the righteousness of Christ. The word convict is a legal term, so let's go to the courtroom. The law demands death. If you've broken one part of the law, the Bible says you've broken all of it. So then, we all stand convicted, all of us, everybody whoever is born. And the evidence is presented that we have broken no telling how many commandments in our lives. Taking the name of God in vain every time you blurt it out and you call in the deity, oh, 
I don't even want O-J-S-U-S or O-G-O-D or whatever. You invoke the name of deity. Now what follows that will condemn you. Has anything ever taken the place of your service to God? That's a, an idol. In all of your life, I don't care, it goes all the way back to the time you could first have a thought. Have you ever dishonored a parent? I have, yeah. In a fleeting moment, have you ever wanted something that belonged to someone else? I mean, I could go on with this. And the first transgression makes us guilty of all of it. There is no righteousness. Once I have committed unrighteousness, it is with me for the, all of my days. The only thing that can negate it is that I would be covered with the righteousness of Christ. That's all. Christ says, now I go away to the Father and you'll see me no more. And the only righteousness that there will be on planet earth is the righteousness that those who believe in me will be covered with. That's all. There's no other. There's no other righteousness. There's none. The righteousness of Christ. Then the, the world is convicted thirdly concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. Why hasn't the devil taken over the whole thing so far? He's restrained because God has his own in this world. He is a defeated foe. We have no fear of death. He doesn't intimidate us, those who are in Christ. He has no power over us. He is a defeated enemy. He has already been judged. He is the greatest evil that will ever exist in the creation of God. The ruler of this world, Satan. There is no greater evil than him and he's already been judged. So, if he has been judged, then there's no hope for you if you are not covered with the righteousness of Christ. Through the convicting power of the Holy Spirit of God. We're all under this condemnation. But the judgment bar, the judge has declared that the law says something has to die. Something innocent of the law that has been broken can accept the punishment. Thus set the guilty free. That one's righteousness can be transferred and that one's guilt can be transferred. Justification, atonement. And always and forever, Christ has said, I will save my own. <clears throat> I will die for my own. For God so loved the world, listen to this now, a lot of people can't pick up or don't, I don't know. 
For God so loved the world. Take, take note of that word in the Greek. So. It's trans. So. For God so in this way. For God so in this way. The way that he teaches us in his word. Loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In what way? So in this way that those whom God will call to himself are saved by the blood and death and crucifixion of Christ. And he will put away my sinful state forever in his burial. And he will bring with himself out into his resurrection, my resurrection and my glorification in the due course of time according to the will of God. This is the first resurrection declares the apostle at the end of the book. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he came into this world to save sinners. According to the word of God, if you will admit that you're a sinner, you can only do that by the power of God. If you will believe in Jesus as the only savior, only God can grant you that faith. What a wonderful thing for that to come into your heart. And if you will call on him to be saved, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then God is bound by his word to save you. Thus, you will have proven to the world that God has called you to himself. You're one of his own. In just a minute, we'll stand and be dismissed from this room by our benediction. Right across the hall, as you exit, you'll see deacons and wives and they are there to pray with you, to discuss with you any question you may have or the conviction that may have come upon you today to come to Christ. Maybe you're already a Christian and God leads you to come and be a part of Shiloh. They are there as well to pray with you and take care of all of the details of church membership. So as you exit this room, and the Lord deals with you. You just step right in there. And they're ready to pray with you. For now, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let's all stand together. And we'll be dismissed.